Hello Longview Point. If you will take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 16, we're going to look at verses 24 through 28 tonight. I know that we've been in Micah the past couple of weeks, but I want to take a break as we are honoring our seniors this week. We are uh, celebrating what they've been able to accomplish, graduating from local high schools all across the area. And we want to just give a message that really is, is geared towards them, encouraging them, spurring them on to live for Christ in this next stage of life. But the thing is, I don't want you to turn it off if you don't have a graduating senior. I want every one of us to, to learn from this. These are important truths. No matter what stage of life we're in, no matter what our age may be, we can take God's Word, we can take what Christ is challenging all believers to right here and apply it to our lives. And so I hope that you are still tuned in and wanting to hear God's Word because this is a message for every single one of us. Let's look at Matthew chapter 16 and begin in verse 24. It says this, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life would lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with His angels in the glory of His Father, and then He will repay each person according to what He has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. We jumped into the middle of this chapter, in the middle of the book of Matthew, and so it's always important to get the context of what's going on before this. Just a few paragraphs before this, uh, Peter has confessed that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah, the one that they have waited for. And you know, he has this mountaintop, this proud moment of getting that right, and Jesus commends him for that. And then he turns around because Jesus starts talking about how he has suffering coming, how he is going to go to Jerusalem and die on the cross. And he's telling the disciples of these things that, is, that are to come. And Peter pulls him to the side and rebukes Jesus. And Jesus tells him, he says, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not seeing your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. It is from that challenge that Jesus gives Peter that this next passage of Scripture comes in. That is the context of it all so that we can understand. He is telling Peter suffering is about to come for him and it also comes for his followers. As we look at this passage, there are three commands that have been given to us right here. And from those three commands, we're given the reasons underneath that of why those commands are there. We are commanded three things. It says this, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Those are the three commands that we are given. Now, so many times when we look at a passage of Scripture like this, we, we set that out as almost like a chronological thing. Okay, first I need to deny myself. Second, I need to take up my cross. Third, I need to follow Jesus. But that's not what Jesus is getting at here. Jesus is telling us, look, we need to do all these things. If you want to be my follower, then this is your whole identity. These three things are what you are challenged to do, what you are commanded to do. You need to deny yourself, turn away from your own pride, from your own uh, self-reliance. You need to take up your cross, be willing to do whatever it is that God calls us to do and follow after Jesus. Those are three things that set up our whole identity as Christians. 
It's not a three-step process, but it is our life and who we are. Take a second and look at Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Did you catch that though? Our lives, our bodies, everything that we do is a living sacrifice to the Lord. He has influence over every part of our lives. You know, the fascinating things going back to uh, Matthew chapter 16 is he's telling us to choose to take up our cross. You know, the cross was a, a heinous, torturous uh, way of punishment that Rome wouldn't even do to their own citizens. And the convicts were forced to carry their cross to the place of their crucifixion. But here he's telling us to choose to take up our cross, to choose to follow Him wherever He leads our lives. You see, our purpose as we look at what it means to follow Jesus, as we look at how that impacts our life, where we are today, it's not to rest in comfort. It is not to seek fame or fortune or power because all of those things are fleeting. You look at the verses that follow. I told you those are the reasons why we want to follow these commands. And, and they say, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? You see, nothing that this world has to offer is worth losing eternity. Nothing that this world has to offer is worth not having hold of Christ and Him having hold of our lives, of who we are. As we seek to rest in comfort, comfort is something that can be lost by things that are completely out of our control. We may lose a job one day or may lose a loved one or you may be sick or there may be difficulties that you come in contact with. And so we can't trust in the God of comfort because it will let us down. If you're seeking fame, fame, there, there's a reason why they say they got their 15 minutes of fame, because that's how fleeting it is. It comes and then it goes. And even if you're famous for now, multiple generations later may have no clue what your name means. Fortune the American dream of pursuing as much wealth as you can get, no matter what it takes you to get there. But your fortune can't go with you when you die. I think about Pharaoh's tombs. You know, Pharaoh was as wealthy as you could imagine and gold in those tombs and the pyramids and all those things. But when they're discovered years later, when, when the archaeologists get in there and check it out, so many of them have been robbed of everything of value. You see, you can try all you want to, to amass the greatest fortunes in the world. But your fortune stays here when we die. It is fleeting. And so is any kind of power that we may have. 
We're not promised tomorrow and all of these things, comfort, fame, fortune, power, they may last for a little while, but they're all going to pass away because they're all things that rust and moth can destroy. Our purpose is to mimic what we've seen in our King who came to serve and gave his life as a ransom for many. We want to mimic the king who came to seek and save the lost. Our purpose is much greater than anything this world has to offer. He has called us to himself and he's called us to bring others with us to him as well. Think about Jesus's life as you read through the Gospels. And I hope, seniors, that you do before you go off to school. And that's true for all of us. Over the next few months, reading through the Gospels, spending that time in God's Word, look at who it is that Jesus spends time with. He spends time with people who can do nothing for him. They're not the, the aristocrats that are, are bringing him up, giving him a seat at the table, making him more powerful. No, he is spending time with people who can do nothing to benefit him or his ministry. He came caring for those who were often neglected and forgotten. And if we're to follow his footsteps, if we're to follow after him, then that should be reflected in our life as well. You know, pastor and theologian Warren Wiersbe, he kind of just set up a chart to really explain these verses, to break them down, to help us understand these verses well. He says this, he compares it. You have one side and then the other. He says, look, you can either deny yourself or you can live for yourself. You can either take up your cross and, or you can ignore the cross. You can either follow Christ or you can follow the world. You can either lose your life for his sake or you can save your life for your own sake. You can forsake the world and, and put it behind you, or you can gain the world. You can keep your soul or lose your soul. And you can either share in his reward and grace or reward and glory or lose his reward and glory. We are called to be people who are living sacrificial lives for the sake of others. We are called to, to count the cost in our own life and live for the Lord. When was the last time you evaluated your life? When was the last time you, you really took inventory, you looked deep inside of yourself to say, what does my life look like? Does my life look like I am a follower of Christ? Am I wholly devoted to Him? Or do I only have a half-heart devotion? You see, we looked at Wearsby's chart. There's no path down the middle of those things. We either choose the path that is sacrificial and living for Christ, or we choose the, the path that is going after our own selfish desires. But there's not a way in the middle. And Christ has called us, if we are to be His disciples, then we are to follow after Him, no matter what it costs us. Are we willing to pay that price? Whether it's shame, embarrassment, whatever it may be, do we count Christ worth it? C.T. Studd, uh, an evangelist, put it this way. 
If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. See, that should be our cry. That should be our heart that Christ has gone to the cross for us. And so we get to give our lives to him. We often think about this verse and we think about it in, in the grand scheme of things. You know, we're, we're taking up our cross to go to the mission field. We're taking up our cross to, to do something major. But I want to challenge you today to take up your cross in the everyday, ordinary things of your life. Don't just apply this to the big overarching decisions, but apply it to, to the day-to-day -day choices that you are making, the choices you're making tonight, the choices that you're making tomorrow. Look at how your life each day in the normal day-to-day -day things, how are you taking up your cross, denying yourself, and following after Jesus? Truth is, we may not be a, a William Wilberforce who abolished the slave trade and, and had this great accomplishment. Or we may not be a William Carey who started the modern mission movement. Or a Jim Elliot who was martyred reaching out to unreached people groups. But what we are is an ambassador for the Most High King who has placed us in a specific place, in a specific time, to make a difference for His kingdom. And He is writing our story Himself. So as I think about our seniors, seniors, you are called to be a light to the places that you are going. We have seniors that are going to Scuba and Fulton and Startville and Columbus and Senatobia and South Haven and Florence, Alabama and Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And seniors, my challenge for you and is to be a light in each of those places, to faithfully follow after these commands of denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following after Jesus with your whole heart. Mind the gap. We often hear st stories about how people neglect to, to stay connected to the church in between their senior year and their beginning of college. Don't be one of those statistics, but instead... Be one who is helping others stay connected to the church, helping others stay connected to Christ. And that should be true for all of us. As, as these seniors are going off, we should be reaching out to them, helping them to stay connected as well, praying for them often, and caring about how they're doing spiritually. And so we want to be people who are standing in that gap, seeking the Lord together. In order to live this out, we have to realize that we are no longer the king of our life. Not a single one of us. If we are a follower of Christ, He is the king sitting on the throne of our heart and we should make every single decision to, to follow after His desires because we know that He loves us and He cares for us. He's proven that over and over again. And so when you wake up each morning, Let's ask God, what do you have in store for me today? What do you want me to do? How can I live for you this day? Right here, right now, with where you've placed me. That can be really, really practical. Maybe he's telling you to befriend somebody that, that you can gain nothing from. There's not any benefit that comes other than a, a positive, good friendship, but they're not going to take you to great places. They're not going to do incredible things. Like, but you just get to be a friend to somebody who needs a friend. Maybe 
It's someone that we should invite into our homes. The hospitality of, of being a Christian, how we open up our homes, not to entertain, but to let people in who we may not have much in common with. But God has given us that, that grace to show towards others. Maybe there's a place that we need to volunteer to serve. To, to reach out to people and, and to be a light in areas where it's difficult, where it's darkness. It could be a, an, um, a pro-life uh, pregnancy clinic. It can be a boys and girls club. It can be whatever it is. God has uniquely given us talents and gifts and passions that we can use for His kingdom and His glory. All of us are wired differently. Some people would be completely nervous standing here, being able to open up God's word and proclaim it to everyone, while others may be uh, nervous to, to interact with a large group in other ways. But God has given you talents. He's given you gifts. He's wired you in certain ways. He's designed you and given you gifts for His kingdom and His purposes. So let's use those. Let's be missional in the everyday things of life living out your faith to care for those who are around us, for those who are downtrodden, those who are in need. He's blessed us so much. So are we using the blessings that He's given us to bless other people? We want to reach the world for Christ. I would love if one of our seniors was the next Billy Graham. I would love if he was the next, or she was the, the next um, missionary who's willing to go to the ends of the earth and, and reaching unreached people groups. And we could have students who are we're raising up and sending out to do that. But we also need faithful businessmen and faithful teachers and nurses and EMTs and people who in their day-to-day -day jobs are using it to expand God's kingdom wherever He has placed them. It starts in the everyday moments of life. It starts in being faithful in the places that He has put us right here, right now. And that should be our heart's desire as we deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Jesus. It is a day-to-day -day choice that we are making. The greatest purpose in our life is not to make much of ourselves. No, it is to make much of Jesus, our Savior and our King, because He alone is worthy of that. As I think about the, the part of taking up our cross, the, the cross really draws us to think about humility and courage that comes from that the humility and courage that comes from the perspective of the cross. We have humility because we realize the great gift that has been given to us. The incredible gift that we've done nothing to deserve. And Have you ever had one of those awkward moments where, where you come and somebody gives you a gift, maybe it's an anniversary or something like that, and you can tell they've put so much thought into it. They've put so much effort into it. It is an incredible They've put so much money into it. That it is just the most incredible gift you've ever gotten. And you, you almost want to hide your gift, right? You, you realize that yours isn't near as good. You want to put it behind your back and come back the next day with something much better. Yo, Christ has given us an eternal home in fellowship with Him. And all we have to give back to Him is dirty rags. 
our self-righteousness is worth nothing, and yet He is giving us more than we could ever imagine, more than we could ever amass for ourselves. That should humble us. To think through that glorious gift that He has given us, and it should spur us on to change our lives to look more and more like Him every day. To be focused on living for Him and our lives being that living sacrifice. I don't tell you this to, to try to guilt you into to serving more or to, to force you, you know, kind of twist your arm and to, to make you do something you don't want to do. But as you look at, at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, it tells us, here, we'll read it because I think it's so important to get it there. It says this, for the love of Christ controls us or compels us, right? It, it almost forces us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. You see, as you think about the cross, don't think about it for, for guilt of how you fall short, but think about how the love of Christ compels us to demonstrate that love to others. There's humility when we realize the gift that's been given to us in the way that the Holy Spirit empowers us to make a difference in this world for His heavenly kingdom. But I told you the cross also leads us to courage, doesn't it? that it leads us to, to live with a boldness of the gospel. Because we know that Christ has taken care of death and judgment, that we deserve, we can live a courageous life for the kingdom. Death doesn't have any hold on us. We can live boldly proclaiming His truth, going to the ends of the earth, counting the cost of whatever it takes. Our yes is on the table. If God commands us to go, then we go. If He tells us to, to witness to somebody, to share the good news of the gospel, then we do that. We are faithful and we will do whatever He commands of us because He is our King. When was the last time you negotiated with a king? You came to, into his presence and said, oh, I know you want me to do this. I don't want to do that. How about I do this instead? That's not the way that a king's reign works. No, we are called to obey the king, to follow after him in complete obedience. That is our job as a disciple of Christ. To be courageous, to have our yes on the table, to be willing to go and to do whatever God has called us to do. To trust him that he is working for our good and for his glory. Think about the early disciples. Once Christ uh, is dead and buried, they are cowering. They are scared. They are completely intimidated by what's coming next for them. But as soon as Jesus has risen from the grave, they have the greatest courage. They go into temples and proclaim the truth of Christ's resurrection, that He is the Messiah, that He is the Christ, and they don't care what the cost is. In fact, when they're persecuted, they rejoice that they've done something worth being persecuted for. They realize that, that they were the ones to go and to, to turn the world upside down for the glory of the gospel. 
They were courageous to the ends of the earth. As you look at church history, you see how people who are focused on Christ have made an, an unimaginable impact on this world. C.S. Lewis put it this way, If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were precisely those who thought the most of the next. So, church, seniors, my challenge for all of us tonight is that we will not be, this, this is the point, that we will not settle for a half-hearted faith, but instead we will surrender every aspect of our life completely to Christ. And that we will get to see how He will use you for His kingdom. I don't know about you, but I want to live this out every single day in the most mundane ways, in the most exciting ways. I want to live out a life that is not about me, but that is willing to, to do whatever it takes to follow after Christ with my whole heart. I truly believe that that is an adventure that is worth living and worth going on. I hope that's true for all of us. If you have never asked Christ to be your Lord and Savior, I pray that you realize the love that He demonstrated by dying on that cross for our sins, by paying the price that we could not pay, that He wants to have a relationship with you. And so I encourage you right here, right now, turn from your sins, deny yourself. Don't make this a, a pride issue. Turn, turn that all away and turn to Him, the author and perfecter of your faith. Ask Him to be the, the Savior from the penalty of your sin and the Lord and the King of your life, that you want to follow Him wherever He leads. But if you are a Christian, I pray that today there will be a stake in the ground saying from here on, no matter where he leads, I'll go. I'll follow him, the, the Christ who loves me so, because wherever he leads, I'll go. I have a few questions for you today. As you know, I always like to, to wrap up with that when we're having this kind of time where it's just me and a camera allows you to discuss this a little bit more in your homes. Question number one, what do you view as the purpose of your life? What do you view? Don't just give the, the biblical answer, like, you know, I want to glorify God, but what does that look like in your life as well? Kind of bring it down to the next question. What is God calling you to do today? Right here, right now, what is He calling you to do? How is He calling you to act on what you've heard? Number three, what are steps you can take for your life to look more like Christ? What are steps you can take? You know, we set these goals. We need to actually take steps to get to those goals. And then the last thing that I have is, is not a question. But I just want to challenge you to pray for our seniors. They've had an eventful senior year, um, cut short of, of many memories and many things that they look forward to and have been building up to for so many years. 
take time now to pray for them as they are closing this chapter, closing this section of the book, and moving on to the next stage of life. Pray for them to be a gospel witness on their campuses. Pray for them to uh, just love Christ with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And just pray for their families to have wisdom and to, to encourage them in their walk with the Lord over the next few years as well. Let them know you're praying for them. If you know some of these seniors, reach out to them. Let them know you care and really just be praying for them that God will use them in incredible ways. Who knows what we'll see God do through the lives of our seniors over these next coming years. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much that we get to open up your word, we get to hear your truth, that we know uh, that you are an amazing God, that you are the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and worthy of our lives. And that's why we're called to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and count the cost to follow you wherever you go. Help us to be obedient to do what you've called us to do in the most simple things every single day and also in the big things that you call us to as well. Father, I do pray for these seniors. Lord, I thank you for them. Uh, it has been such a joy to get to see them grow uh, over the last few years, to see how you have moved in their hearts and in their lives. Lord, I pray uh, that their passion Will, will be all about you, that nothing that this world offers will, will be uh, tempting to them, but Lord, that their one desire is to just live a life that is pleasing to you, that they glorify you in the things they say, the choices that they make, and Lord, that the campuses that they are entering will forever be changed because of the, the faithfulness of this senior class. Help them to be people who turn the world upside down for your kingdom and your glory. Help us as a church to be the same, to, to be people who are, are passionate about you and the mission that you've given us, Lord, because you alone are worthy. And it's in your holy name we pray. Amen.